Hi everybody, Marco Casanova here and welcome to the Desert Streaming Podcast. First and foremost, Happy New Year. In today's episode, Andrew Comiskey, Abby Ford and I discuss Our Lady of Guadalupe. This roundtable discussion on Mary of Nazareth gives us a great glimpse into this pivotal figure from both an evangelical and Catholic lens. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. This is Marco Casanova here on Desert Streaming, and I'm here with my friends, Andrew and Abby. How are you guys doing today? We're good, Marco. So happy to be with you. Yeah, it's great. Um, this is a, a neat episode. We're here in Wisconsin where we've been visiting a shrine uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you a question of what inspired you this week? Ah. You know, for me, I think I was uh, on a road trip this weekend, actually, and shout out to Michael Collins, who was in the car with us, and he played a song called The Bridegroom by a band called Rivers and Robots from England, and just captured me. Awesome. I've been listening to it kind of nonstop since, and saw the really text out of Song of Solomon. That's moved my heart. So I've been meditating in that place. And who's who's it by? Rivers and Robots. Rivers and Robots. Is that like a, a evangelical like um, praise and worship band? Or I, I don't know much about them other than that they're from England. And I think there was a guy that just. Yeah, started putting the band together, and they have this real beautiful, unique sound. So it's not not typical praise and worship. It's just much more. Uh, it's kind of relaxed and folksy, and just chill. Well, I was in the same car, and I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll but, take you back. It didn't, it didn't impact you. It wasn't awesome. inspiring. No, no, that's that's great. What about you, Andrew? What inspired you this uh, week? Well, it was just yesterday here at this beautiful shrine. And uh, I was just sitting before this large image of Mary holding these little babies, like little babies, uh, in her lap. And it provoked in me uh, my experience as a father of walking through the loss of children prematurely. And it was deeply moving to be reminded that... um, they're in heaven mm-hmm. and being tended, and it released some grief. It released intercession wow. for my kids and also for my friends who have lost children, for whom it's such a deep loss, and and yet the hope of possibly more opportunity, mm-hmm. but also that they're children and they live and they're cared for now Mm. whether we see them or not so that was inspiring wow beautiful yeah for me it it is a song a song that i've been kind of brooding over for a little bit it's by hillsong it's called i surrender just like a very simple chorus i i really love it it's kind of an older song um i found it on itunes um a couple days ago I forget his name. I don't know who sings it, but he's he just has a great just great way of leading people just to simply surrender to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's really I, I'm struck by the word surrender. Every time it's sung, I'm like, it's that's that's a deep it's a deep demand. Like it, it just it provokes me just to want to give everything up to Jesus. I know that sounds like really dramatic, but this song helped me do that. Mm. Has helped me do that these past few days. It's like, mm. okay, Lord. I give it all to you again. Mm-hmm. So I Surrender by Hillsong is, 
has been inspiring me. Mm-hmm. It's been great. So we are here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. It's kind of a, a very interesting um, shrine out here built by um, a cleric by the name of Cardinal Raymond Burke. He had this um, sort of encounter with Mary and um, has took away from that encounter to build a shrine to her here in the United States. Um, I think there was some talk of maybe it should be to Our Lady of Fatima, which is another expression of, of, of Mary, but he thought, hmm, this Mexican Mary, <laughs> this Mary who's appeared in Mexico uh, will be kind of um, seen here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm awestruck after a day there yeah. right yeah and we have our friend here andrew um is really good friends with father paul check who's just a really good friend of desert stream uh was the chaplain of a courage international for i don't know how many years the director the director okay mm-hmm. wonderful oh i'm sorry seven eight years okay yeah that's a that's that's great that's a mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. and yeah he, he didn't he wasn't the founder was the next leader never an easy task but he took it to a whole nother level. Wow. Such a, such a fine man. Yes. Certainly the most instrumental pastor in my life. He is, he is a very, he's a very fine man. This is the first time I've met him. Abby, have you met him before? I haven't. Okay. But what a, what a neat, what a neat man. So he's here for the summer, um, directing the initiative of the shrine. And so we came out here just as a, as a team to pray and to see our friend. Um, and it was really, it was really enriching to come to this sort of Marian oasis. Now, of course, Mary is a is kind of a big question. She's a big question in the Christian world. Like, as a Catholic, I'm a cradle Catholic. It's like, wow, this is like putting on a glove. You know what I mean? But it's not like that for everybody. Putting on the Marian Ritz. I'm putting on the Marian Ritz, y'all. No, but it, I think it's a great question of... How does what? How does this whole Mary thing fit into yes. the whole Christian enterprise? It's really important for us Catholics. Mm-hmm. It's like yes, and then for some other evangelicals, it's like whoa. Like, can we talk yeah. about it? Can we turn it down? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, we're grateful for her. Right. And can we not celebrate her around every corner? Right. Exactly. Which tends to be the Catholic experience. Right. Right. So I think. Um, this has brought up the conversation as a team for us um, coming up out here together, me as a Catholic, Andrew as a convert, Abby as evangelical. So uh, we're just going to kind of open it up. Wonderful. So Abby, what, how, how was the visit for you? And how, what, what did you bring to it? And what are you taking away? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, as Marco said, it is such a great and important place of conversation between Catholics and and evangelicals and just in the church on the whole. You know, here's a woman who's a a figure in the story, the story of our Lord. And I think our ability to talk about her openly is actually so critical. So I'm glad to be doing this. I'm Mm. glad to be talking about her. I would say, I mean, historically for me, I grew up in the Lutheran church and then have spent you know, 20 years in the kind of non-denominational charismatic worlds um, where if, if I'm honest, we don't talk about Mary at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not even, it's Holy Spirit all the way. And, mm-hmm. I think there's um, an Amy Grant song there might be. that mentions her. <laughs> that was written 82, I think. And it's a Christmas song. Right, and it never made it to number one <laughs> on the Dove pop chart. 
<laughs> we sang it, but not in the charismatic way. <laughs> She's mildly charismatic. She's mildly. <laughs> no, but I, I did grow up Lutheran, so of course, much more liturgical expression. And and I, and I remember as a probably an early teen, I saw this bulletin because Lutheran churches have bulletins with beautiful <laughs> pictures on the front uh-huh. of those bulletins and hmm. and one of them was just this amazing black and white sketch it was so simple it's not an, an elaborate art piece by any means but it was just Mary and she was in this pencil sketch pregnant this lamb by her side and, and she had her head turned upward and and I, I kept that. I, I still have the bulletin from 20, 30 years ago. And, and I remember just seeing that. And for me, that picture, I think what it, it struck the, the nerve of for me was this, this position, as you were saying, Marco, this position of surrender. It was this hands open, heart open, face towards heaven. And it was, a, it was like this yes. And at that point, she was pregnant. So you know, she'd already said yes in terms of the narrative. But... But it was a position that I think Mary demonstrated in her yes initially and, and continued to demonstrate her entire story and relationship with Jesus. Yes, yes, Father, you know, I give this son, I say yes to this man, I, I offer him, I offer myself. I mean, there's something of Mary's yes that moved me then and... And in a way, probably keeps grounding me as I consider Mary and the broader understanding of Mary. You know, coming to the shrine, I think because I have I have that openness to Mary, and because I work in an ecumenical ministry where we're we're you know working with Catholics and evangelicals all the time, I don't have the same reactivity to Mary that I think maybe some evangelicals do. Uh, but. But anytime I come to a place like this, a shrine dedicated to a Marian apparition and experience, I, I think there is always a part of my heart that says, you know, will I really be able to engage or connect here? How will I respond where or if that's the central focus? Um, so it wasn't resistant, but I just thought, you know, we'll see. We'll see kind of what moves my heart this weekend. And yeah, I think for me, I, the, the our experience we had some wonderful time in prayer and the mountains here the mm-hmm. shrine is set in the mountains it's just a kind of hidden gem it felt like and this beautiful church and we we spent time in the church we spent some time certainly at the mass and then and then just had access to kind of these beautiful trails and that's where I positioned myself yesterday mm-hmm. for a few hours to just be and where I found the Lord it took me was a place of both just personal worship and prayer that song that I mentioned just kind of entering in in that way and then allowing the Lord just through my connection to his heart to I think draw me greater into this story of Mary and so maybe we'll get back to that a little bit later but I did feel this kind of yeah a beautiful draw to Jesus and and when we're drawn to Jesus, he draws us to everybody he loves, frankly. Mm. So he loves a lot of people. And mm. when we're connected to him, he connects us it's to a others, large right? group. It's a large family. Um, there are some he doesn't, and we'll be getting to that at our next podcast. It's very controversial. friends I find very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's true. But Mary's That's not That's another one. way of putting it, Marco. No, I really did. I appreciated the shrine too, Abby, and it was kind of interesting like we were incognito being this ecumenical ministry I felt that kind of walking around like 
wow, it's kind of neat to be undercover, like not to be doing like a conference or, or giving mm-hmm. talks, but just like receiving mm-hmm. from the Lord in this kind of peculiar place, you know? So I found it um, really, really enriching too. Andrew, as a convert to Catholicism, how have you um, made peace with this Theotokos reality, mm. Mary as mother yeah. of God? Yeah. How, how has that worked out mm. for you? Yeah, uh, it probably uh, not as difficult for me as some converts, perhaps, um, because our foundations as a ministry were in Leanne Payne, this amazing literary figure, really, a C.S. Lewis scholar, but also someone with deep insight into the soul, uh, had studied a lot of very good developmental psychology and was also a woman of the Holy Spirit. So she was able to bring together some strains of thinking and apply them beautifully in a way that was foundational for Desert Stream, for my own healing out of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Her first book, The Broken Image, uh, or her second book, but the first one I read, uh, I was a student at UCLA. It was just watershed as far as um, aligning the power of the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom come to the deep and sometimes complicated parts of the soul where we get disintegrated. So how do we get healed at the unseen areas of our life that we can't, don't even have language for? We just see the symptom sexually or identity confusion or lust or whatever the case might be. So Leanne was instrumental. And her premise basically was for her as a woman, she was always a woman, uh, never trying to to be a, a masculine leader. And so she, in the spirit of Mary, always knew that responsiveness to the Lord, the yes to the Lord is always the threshold for deep healing. Mm-hmm. There is no profound inner healing without that yes. And so we know of that yes through Mary because she opened as a woman. Now Jesus, of course, had that yes perfectly mm-hmm. to the Father too. But he's not a woman. He doesn't have feminine sexuality. And there's what could be more profound than feminine sexuality? Mm. And for Mary to say yes to God at the level of her sexuality. Mm. Okay, you're going to somehow give me your seed? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. Wow. That's even different than, Jesus, go cast that demon out of the, you know, cave dweller whatever it's like okay i'll do it god but for mary it was everything it was her whole being it was it was making herself utterly vulnerable to this good god Mm. and so leanne knew that so and i wasn't evangelical i wasn't a catholic it wasn't part of sort of reading the catechism or marian masses or feasts or apparitions but it was just she's she's a she's She's the threshold point that we all have to somehow enter into. Mm. And so I think I felt that when I became a Catholic, that was one of the main, one of the main two things that evangelicals would bring up. What are you going to do about Mary? You know, what what are you doing, Comiskey, in this sort of Mary idolatry world? And and so I, I think that's what I've had to walk through is 
what does the church actually believe about Mary? What do evangelicals in their bias think Catholics believe about Mary? What is it about Mary that actually I'm not quite sure I'm even ready to wholly embrace hmm. as per Catholic dogma? And I would say all three of those apply to my process. What I find uh, most helpful and important about Mary is that she always opens us to Jesus. She's never about herself. She's always about her son. And certainly in the Gospels, we see her living painfully with deep love and faith, everything for Jesus' sake. Hmm. That's Mary's marvelous legacy. It was all for him. And she suffered more than anyone because she's his mother. Mm -hmm. So who suffers more than a mother, right? And Jesus had a really hard life. Uh, and she was there every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah. in that respect, uh, I find Mary uh, a key to helping me know Jesus better from the mediation, from the vessel of maybe the most consoling, least shaming figure in the Gospels. So when I think of Mary, I think of someone who never shames, who always welcomes, who is ever compassionate and present in our suffering to help lead us to the healer who is Jesus hmm. and, and is in that way an agent of her son in keeping us peaceful and still and hopeful about the deeper healing that we need that does require our opening in her way but I think now as a Catholic I believe with her help hmm. and I would say that I believe she helps me wow. and I need her help I will say like hearing you speak um, all over the place and when you speak about Mary it's really refreshing I, I have never heard anybody speak of Mary so refreshingly as you. Mm. And I think your journey from evangelicalism, there, it cuts it. It makes it a little bit more tangible. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, my ears perk up. And I think people's ears perk up when they, mm. when they listen to a talk on the mother of God from someone who has to work her out, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So there's like a gravitas mm -hmm. when you speak about Mary. Mm. I just bless you on that. Mm. Oh, thanks, Marco. Yeah, it's really, it's really special. Mm. I think you, I mean, yeah, I speak as a Catholic. You really honor her well mm. because you speak of her um, <laughs> in a clash of worlds, really. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. this ecumenical reality is mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to things like the Eucharist and Mary, mm -hmm. it, it can be a little divisive. Right. You know, that's when we start to see the boundaries and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. sexual relational brokenness, we can come to the cross because we can all relate to that. Right. But when it becomes some sort of doctrinal thing, it's like, oof, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to we're gonna have to mm -hmm. finesse our way through this. <laughs> right. You do it extremely well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so it's really, it's really, really quite, quite remarkable to me. This shrine, um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, it's, it's a fascinating story. It's really, um, I was reading some, a little bit about it last night. It was like a salvation event. Somebody was calling it a salvation event. In 1531, um, mm -hmm. Mary, the mm -hmm. mother of God, um, appeared to this 57-year-old widower 
named Juan Diego wow. in the I didn't country. Know he was 57. Yeah. He, was, wow. he was 57 years old. Wow. And he was kind of going about his business, mm. and um, this celestial being uh, interrupts his day. Mm. And um, he's kind of caught by the song of birds. They almost sounded harmonious, and he's like, whoa, there's something interesting going on here. And then he sees this woman who he doesn't probably know at first, but she describes herself later on, and she appears to him a couple times, and there's one time where his uncle is sick, so he tries to bypass where she typically appears to him. She's try- He's trying to, like, ignore her, which is <laughs> kind of funny to me. It's like, I have no time for an apparition today. My uncle is right. sick. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like, oh, my gosh, right. this beautiful, like, right. heavenly sight. It's like, not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> my uncle needs not a doctor. Not today, Marian apparition. <laughs> exactly. And she, um, she... <laughs> obviously being, <laughs> I don't know, outside of time, whatever. She knows where his route is. So she, she goes and interrupts him. Wow. And she's like, what are you, why are you trying to, why are you trying to like get away from me? Like, I'm, I want to bless you. I, I have a task for you to build this chapel here. And of course, Juan Diego has to go talk to the bishop, which is always like the interesting part of every story. It's like, is he going to believe me? And the bishop's like, you need to give me a sign, brother. Like, mm-hmm. this is too much. Um, for it to be just a little frivolous thing, you know? So he goes up in the middle of December, Castilian roses, roses native to Spain, are everywhere in the dead of winter. And that was the sign. He puts them in his cloak. He takes it to the bishop. The bishop is not only struck by the roses, but then there's this amazing image on the cloak, um, which you can go, you can still see today in, in Mexico. Uh, Mexico City, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So it sparked millions, millions of conversions. Mm-hmm. About nine million people converted to Catholicism in the span of eight years after Guadalupe, which is quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, just considering that Fox News, CNN, and YouTube were non-existent. Exactly. So the fact that something, the news mm-hmm. of this little Tepeyac apparition spread like wildfire. It's the counter-reformation. Amen. The Reformation was breaking out in Europe in the 16th century and you know many different expressions of that in England and Germany and and so on and so forth but that thousands of miles away maybe 25 50 years after Spanish conquest of the new Americas with limited success in bringing Mm. Spanish Catholicism this was homegrown Mm -hmm. this this was relatable to the Aztecs, they could they could get this symbology, uh, and it it started a wildfire of Catholicism. Wow. And what 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 nation could be more Catholic than Mexico? Right. Mexico is Catholic. Catholic is Mexico. You can do your free church stuff in Mexico. Basically, you're getting born again Catholics. <laughs> I mean, they are Catholic, Catholic through and through. You just can't shake it, even if you want to. And God knows many do. But it is thoroughly in the soil. Wow. It's Catholic soil, as is so much of South America. But I would say Mexico is qualitatively different. Wow. The two centers, Lima and Mexico City, they were the outposts of Spanish colonialism and mm-hmm. conquest. And Mexico City became this this super powerful center of I think I mean always mixture colonialism all that of course were 
we know we know there's a downside to that but that the people were not utterly converted to Jesus in in the Catholic framework through this event Our Lady of Guadalupe (laughs) revealing Jesus in a way that the people could receive and be saved Mm. that's stunning it is stunning and if you're an evangelical or a Pentecostal and you're into people coming to know Jesus that don't know him and that are under the tyranny of other spiritualities which they were Mm. Aztecs were you know proud and bloodthirsty Mm -hmm. there wasn't any you know there was a real downside there man come on let's let's look at the fruit of Our Lady of Guadalupe right and if we're evangelistic we have to say yes and amen amen millions multi-millions were changed and continue to be changed because of that (laughs) it's so true it's amazing it's the counter-reformation and I kind of love, you know, Mary said and, and did in this apparition, in this interaction, what she did her, in her first yes. She said, make a home for my son. And that's mm. what God said to her. Make a home for my son. Wow. And she did. And so what does she bring forth? What does she carry? This, this declaration, make a home for my son. And I don't know much about the Aztec traditions, but I'm sure they worshipped and had altars and sacrificed in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And so she was saying, here, let's create a space where my son can be worshipped and where you can wow. come home to him. I think that's beautiful. That's wow. beautiful. Oh my wow. gosh. I mean, on I mean, average, thirty uh, 3,000 baptisms a day. A day. Can you imagine? Wow. 3,000. It's, it's the Acts of the Apostles again. Yeah. It's Acts of the Apostles. Father Sarah came up from Mexico City, from Spain, on foot and on donkey, right. uh, and, and, and brought brought Christianity to California. Amazing. Yeah, so I mean, we we in America, it's the Americas, it's not just El Norte. <laughs> you know, we are the Americas and wow. we benefited. She is what is, what is she the something of the Americas yeah, or the, Lady of the Americas? The or, of America. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's kind of this sort of very important con- that's that that unites continents. Right. North and south and I love that. Yeah, it's like a Pentecost. Mm. And dare I say, I'm like, Lord, I want another one of those. You know, like we we want you to come down and show yourself again, maybe through your mother. I mean, Guadalupe, in the image, she's pregnant. And Mm. she's she's standing on the moon. So the idols have no place. Wow. Not because of who she is. Like, okay, give her some space. Yeah, she can step on the serpent's head. But it's the one in her. Wow. Like Jesus is coming through her. I mean, and he transforms a country like rapid fire. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, countries, dare right. we say. Surely. Because Mexico City was poised throughout the Latin, right, right. What, what has become the Latin world. It's kind of endearing, too, that she comes. Mm-hmm. She does, yes, of course, it, it spreads like, but she comes to a people, and that people become like missionaries. Mm-hmm. It's just de facto. It's like, wow. I, can't, I can't but sing about this. Wow. And the Mexicans still do. Wow. I mean, being a Mexican, I mean, you kind of know the songs of like Guadalupe. Oh, you like chant special. them every December 12th. It's pretty amazing. Wow. The news is too stunning to keep silent about. Mm, how beautiful. And then you have some taquitos afterwards, you know. <laughs> Come what on. Beautiful. What a gift to the whole world. Amen. It really is. This has been great, guys. It's good. What a neat um, opportunity to talk about Mary and how she's 
she's taking ground in in North America. And uh, yeah, as we talk about it, I, I want, I kind of want her to take ground again. Amen. More Lord. More Lord. We're always ready. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for listening into this episode of Desert Streaming. Please feel free to share this with your friends. And to stay in touch with us, visit our website, desertstream.org. Until next time, God bless you.